right, welcome to this week's episode of Voices in Hyperspace. I am Legendary Black Lion. I'm Nella Silo. Nita, and I like to paint. Yes. Um, so this week's episode is In the Sky Full of Stars, which honestly, this, it sounds like the, the, the title sounds like the end of a poem or <laughs> the end of a song. You know, is is being very melodramatic, which I mean, that's a I mean, when is when is sci-fi not melodramatic? When it's right? goofy, yeah. But even in the goofiness, it's like they yeah they they tend to be a little melo, melodramatic. But it, there is a very specific like '90s aesthetic to it. Everybody thought that they were rewriting Shakespeare when they were doing '90s sci-fi. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if you read like. Early '90s comic books, early '90s X-Men, Avengers. It's it's almost unbearable now from the way that these characters speak. I'm like, no one ever spoke in real life like these characters are speaking. And so this is, uh, you know, it's J. Michael Straczynski. I kind of feel like uh, some of the, you know, we t- we talked about this other creator, you know, the creator of the Weedon verse, and he likes to play around with dialogue and language with the different characters which comes across pretty cool the characters are always awkward uh, socially awkward or awkward with their words firefly they developed a really interesting like speech pattern Mm -hmm. but that was part of the world building yeah and you know it 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 was it was kind of cool to hear them speak and speak in english but curse in chinese so like Seeing that happen, which when did Firefly come out? That was in the early two thousands, right? Let's see. Oh, okay. Why is my computer? Go go gadget Google. <laughs> was it two thousand four? Hold on, let me look. Well, I'm seeing two thousand five. Two thousand five. Okay. The film okay. came out. Serenity came out two thousand five. Okay. Oh, so the series was two thousand two to two. It says two thousand two, two thousand three. It was one season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When which. I don't care who knows. Gina Torres is my celebrity crush. She is gorgeous. She ticks a lot of boxes. She's tall. Uh, sorry. All right. So, in the, in the sky full of stars. So, this one was like a world-building episode. And there were some breadcrumbs thrown all throughout this episode. You don't get much movement as far as the overall story. There's one thing, one really big thing that happens at the end of the episode that tells you like, oh, so this character is progressing and that's going to affect the story later. But this is happening now during this episode. So a couple of the breadcrumbs. So the, basically, this episode is about Sinclair's memory of the last battle, you know, the last part of the Battle of the Line. And... He's basically connected to this torture chair and he's being forced to relive his memories. But um, some interesting things happen. Uh, there is a point where you can hear a Vorlon voice say there is a hole in your mind. And that kind of gives the reveal that his memory was erased. There is also uh, like I don't I don't mind spoiling it at this point because, you know, you're going to find like there's a whole lot doesn't happen during <laughs> Not a whole lot happens during this episode, so I'll just go ahead and like jump around. So Delenn pops up throughout the episode in like some of the oddest plot 
oddest parts. But all of that is to say, hey, she has something to do with this. And Sinclair's memory places her in the chamber of the Great Council. And and honestly, that's connecting breadcrumbs that were laid in past episodes. Remember, they were like, uh, when she was talking to Lanier, like, hey, don't let anyone hear you call me Satai. No one's supposed to know. I'm, supposed to part I'm part of the Great Council. No one's supposed to know that. Mm-hmm. So we are finally having her secret revealed to us, the audience. And um, by the end of the episode, Sinclair knows too. And I think that's pretty interesting. Yeah, the same. Uh, he got some uh, verification on what he thought he heard before when in the episode you mentioned. <clears throat> but they just mm-hmm. kind of like made it. It didn't have to be as long as it was, but they did a good job. What was of it like doing... four or five episodes or something like that? Yeah. Well, even just this episode and then opening <laughs> the whole side quest with the, the security being tampered with because of his gambling it it was a nice lead into it and so like these guys just here to come get him because um these episodes rarely have just one storyline that they follow there has to be more than one but this one really only had the two and they were very much connected yeah another breadcrumb this was something that you had to like really pay attention to to a background thing so garibaldi is reading the paper and um, bravo for J. Michael Straczynski thinking people are going to be reading newspapers in space. <laughs> uh, I mean, I remember one time in my youth, I had a newspaper subscription and I was like, I am keeping up with things in the world. And that is not what newspapers do <laughs> or that's not what they did. But um, Garibaldi is reading the newspaper and or, what is it? The, um, I forgot the name of it, but He's reading a story, like the camera is zoomed in close on this story, where it says that the PSYCOR is breaking with their charter by endorsing a presidential candidate. So there is an election going on in the background of Babylon 5, which will become important later in the series, like this season, right? The PSYCOR, they're supposed to be a, a nonpartisan organization and they're blatantly like the can't i believe the candidate that they're endorsing is basically the fascist which again aligns them as the space nazis in in this in this series so the what i wrote down in my notes (laughs) i'm gonna alter it a little bit to make it less uh inflammatory but let's look at it like this the psychor endorsing i forgot who the character's name is and he'll the character will come up later in the season, but the Psychor endorsing that character is like the CIA endorsing George W. Bush versus um, Al Gore, basically. <laughs> and I think that is an appropriate uh, parallel because you know what happened when George W. got into office, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I know what didn't happen. What didn't happen? Oh, nothing. Uh, I got my presidents mixed up. It's okay. It's cool that the, the it is easy to mix them up because they are roughly the same person from election to election. Yeah. Yeah. So so there's that. Um, there was one more thing that happened during this episode that made me go on a rabbit trail. And I want to I want to go down this this pathway with you all. So remember how we would continue each episode. We're like, there's Sinclair putting himself in danger again. Oh. Okay. Right. So 
there is something to this. So let's put all these pieces together, right? So in this episode, what are those the guys that kidnap Sinclair? What are they trying to do? They're trying to grab. They're trying to find out what um, his memories were from the time that he missed. Right, and they're trying to prove that he, basically, trying to prove that he, uh, what do you call it, betrayed the humans. To, yeah, they're convinced that he betrayed us, so he's like they're just digging until they find what they want. Right, and one something that happens before they they abduct him, he's already having na- nightmares about the Battle of the Line. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that this was not necessarily big. Uh, in media during the time, even you know they kind of they kind of talked about it. But Sinclair is suffering from PTSD, and all of those times in the past where we we're like, he there he goes charging in, no armor, no weapons. He's gonna fight the big bad guy by himself. Uh, he gets beat up, he gets shot, all of those things. He's he's coping with his PTSD, mm-hmm. and I found this article that was explaining why. People with PTSD often uh, exhibit self-harming behaviors, mm-hmm. and it is pretty interesting. And then when I look when I look at the episode through this lens, it makes way more sense. This character is very well uh, developed. He's not trying to be a hero. He's hurting the entire time. He's in pain, mm-hmm. and he also doesn't know why. I mean, of course, you know you're you survive basically the extinction of humanity but you were ready to sacrifice your life for 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 just the the remote chance that you could buy other people who you don't know time to get away right mm-hmm. that's the that's the um that's the background that we are aware of with Sinclair so uh this article says it says self harm usually takes the form of the following all right oh, so but it's, it's explained that self-harm is a complex behavior with many causes and, you know, PTSD, you know, trauma through that. But um, it is a way to negative to express negative emotions. And it takes place. It takes uh, the form often in cutting, burning, pinching, biting, needle sticking, head hanging and skin digging. Other behaviors of self-harm may, may not be on this list, however. Any behavior intended to inflict pain upon upon oneself is broadly considered self-harm. Self-harm can provide some relief from emotional pain by directing one's focus to their self-inflicted bodily pain. So let's think about Sinclair's emotional pain. He survived the war. He watched... In this episode, we see that he remembers watching someone that was really close to him die, part, someone that's part of his squad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's he's kind of like, he couldn't even save, you know, a person sitting next to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, granted, that guy wouldn't listen to him. <laughs> right. But, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's experiencing deep emotional pain. And then on top of that, so, and, and we kind of get a sense of this with the last few, you know, the last few episodes. The humans, even the ones that didn't fight in the war, they don't know why the Minbari surrendered. But everybody has a sense like, man, we really lost that war. We got our butts kicked. We don't know why we're alive. And we don't have a sense of, we don't have a sense of pride in ourselves, a sense of, you know. Inclusion. Like, 
Yeah. They're lacking that closure, I guess. That's how I would see it. It's like, we yeah, won, so, but we're not happy about how we won. <laughs> right. Like, we won, but did we win? You know, it's it's a, it's a lot of unresolved emotion. Like, a, a not just a planet amount, you know, uh, a planet's population amount of unresolved emotion. You got people all over the system. They're like, yeah, we won the war, but... But at what cost, right? <laughs> and uh, and so strings attached, right? And that's kind of what Babylon Five is. It's the strings attached, and Sinclair is assigned the commander of the station. Mm-hmm. So now we get some pieces that are coming together. We basically lost the war. We we were told that we won. There seems to be some sort of there's something hanging over the head of humanity, like a bigger. Uh, uh, a greater power, a higher power that seems to be in charge of everything. Sinclair, who should have died, didn't. And suddenly he's the commander of this station that's supposed to be a diplomatic, a symbol of diplomacy between all of the alien races. So now we're starting to see, like with all of that kind of in view, you see why so many humans are like, we don't need to be messing around with no aliens. We almost like disappeared from the galaxy. Let's take care of ourselves. So, uh, but anyway, they're saying that uh, an article says, much like substance abuse and alcohol abuse, self-harm only offers a temporary escape from the emotional pain of those with PTSD. Mm-hmm. And the self-harm is a form of avoiding emotional pain. So um, there are some other characters too. So we talk about Sinclair. Ivanova, she didn't, she didn't serve in a war. But she has, like, her character is emotional pain. Like, between her mother being taken away, her father dying in front of her, uh, her former professor, former lover is a space Nazi. Who also <laughs> died in front of her. Who, I'm only <laughs> laughing because that's just, that's a lot of bad luck. Yeah. That's not a cool thing to happen. But And then yeah. she didn't even have a good relationship with her father until he died. <laughs> so, so... We're looking at Babylon 5 as a sardine can of trauma mm-hmm. in space. Garibaldi, he's also he he fought in the war, but he was um, he wasn't on the line, mm-hmm. if I'm if I remember correctly. Yeah. So yeah, we have all of those something right. So Say we that don't in. know what yet. He got in trouble yeah. for something. Yeah, that's right. So so I took that long like winding side rabbit trail because we're we're starting to see the complexity that is built. For us to understand in Commander Sinclair, he's not just a super macho, I'll save the day. He's gritting his teeth and putting his head down and he's hoping to feel some relief from his emotional pain. <laughs> That's why he gets in fistfights with giant space monsters. So, so yeah, I would say this is a good moment to take a short break to say that we need to take our mental health very seriously. This, uh, you know, we we like discussing sci-fi and fantasy and all this stuff but you know it's a really good tool for us to pay attention to some real life situations that we need to take seriously and even like i know in the 90s it was not in the media as much but these days we are we 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 know a little bit more about the type of mental trauma mental and emotional trauma that can harm us and you know we can the more aware of it uh we are the more that we can reach out for resources 
which honestly, I'm going to just say it like this. They should be free, but they're not. Yes, they should. (laughs) So I want to, I'm going to open the floor for any thoughts that y'all have about the um, health and well-being of Sinclair. It makes sense that also like that pain that he feels goes along with like maybe there's a sense of incompletion. I mean, the whole situation with the war feels like a sense of incompletion, but he was the one like in the center of it. And and now he's still in the center of it because he's responsible yeah. for holding all these strings together. Yeah. Yeah. It's unfit. Like he should really be. And you would think like so many hundred years in the future, we would have better mental health. But then this was written like 30 years ago. So... It's probably a better depiction of the future than we've had in a long time. Well, I mean, (laughs) we're not gonna. (laughs) It's kind of scary because a lot of people may backtrack. Um, Some people think that, well, look at the situations with um, education. A lot of people think that certain things shouldn't be in education, be children shouldn't be educated about, like um, sex ed. Like, how many stories are there of girls who uh, become women, for lack of a better term, and are terrified little kids? And don't know what to do, what's happening to them, who to talk to. And <laughs> like a few days yeah. later, be like, oh, it's okay. You're supposed to do that. Like, yeah. If you're scared to tell them about something that's inevitable, that's, that's supposed to happen. Like, the, yeah. Um, race, the what critical yeah. race theory. Like, how do we t- teach that? Sure, not even teach that. Like, not even critical race theory, just American history when it comes to acknowledging the the role that race played not just talking about injustice just like hey this person was a black person right this person was a white person you know <laughs> and florida's like don't say that it's like it, even just like make a curriculum that teaches kids to first of all like respect other humans like in general like educators aren't even taught about neurodivergence they just say like what the issues are and if you see these issues we got a place to stick them. <laughs> right. But, and that's, and that's if you can pay for it, right? Under the um, Act for Peoples with Disabilities, uh, the school system will pay for some services. And it's typically based on how that child's scores may affect the rest of the scores of the school so they can get their money. What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's this uh, TikTok creator, uh, Crutches and Spice. Mm-hmm. She does a lot of work for uh, disabled peoples, and she explains how like a lot of the shenanigans going on right now is basically discrimination against disabled people, and is it's uh, eugenics. It is it is intended to harm people with disabilities, mm-hmm. and it is it's it's awful. And so I would say if you if you are interested, go check out Crutch's spice she's on tiktok and instagram i believe so yeah lots of good stuff yeah it's it's uh, it's really cool how they touched on those things but it's also like um sunday would normally mention um, you're not really people aren't really getting it like they probably see the sci-fi and see the dramatic thing and the 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 speech patterns people would use this in real life and Mm, um, yeah they they just see it for the dramatics. They don't see it for the the story that's actually being told. Right, and that you know, this is something that I'm working on for myself, 
you know, understanding and becoming more uh, literate of media in that art is always saying something, even when you think that it's not, you know, mm-hmm. it's saying something. Uh, everything, you know, entertainment is cool, but there's there's typically messages that are kind of finding their way, sprinkling their way through that stuff. Right. Now, it's not always good messages, but it's there. Like some of the media that actually does like come straight out and say things. I guess like the Barbie movie that I haven't seen. It, it, <laughs> it was pretty obvious to most people because they made it very plain and very simple, like a Barbie. But in yeah. but like like we said with the acting and the 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 writing for this, they're trying to rewrite Shakespeare. A, a form of right. art that has to be translated. Yeah. So it's very cryptic. And um, like I felt like with my story, I didn't want to be cryptic with that part. Some of the spiritual parts, like everyone talks very plain for whatever their region that I'm inspiring, I'm getting inspiration from. But um, if you want to actually put out a message, put the message out. Yeah, and I think that's what loses a lot of people. It's it, it's almost like they're scared to put it out, but at the same time they really want to put it out. And even if you do, if you put it out, and like we saw with Barbie movie, if they agree, they're going to agree. And if they don't agree, they think the world is going to end because right. people are trying to destroy it with their thoughts and opinions. The arguments that I and, and I haven't seen the Barbie movie either, but I've heard a lot of um, interesting takes on it some people have been watching it and analyzing it apparently it has some really good stuff in there mm-hmm. but the critics of it are saying that the barbie movie destroys men and <laughs> i'm like what the heck are you even talking about mm-hmm. it's a movie about a toy yeah but um, it's I've by seen, mattel <laughs> i've seen some men critique it that like the message that they put out about men where it's a contrast between the patriarchy and how in Barbie's world she is the 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 hierarchy. She's the higher part of the the hierarchy, but mm-hmm. on the human side in the real world, men are. Yeah, and the contrast yeah. between that, they're like, well, we see women women not wanting to be just a, a wanting to have power too, and that's the thing that they're so scared of, and they can't get past that. But then there's right. men who see that and be like, yeah. Women should be able to do stuff too. And men should be okay with women not needing to be under their foot. Yeah. And yeah, and that's what I mean. There there's like the what they call the manosphere. Mm-hmm. And right wing uh and pundits pill. and yeah, red <laughs> pills. Anything that elevates women is seen as attack as an attack on men. And I just don't understand how you could be such a fragile individual. Right. Um, but that does show the uh, that shows that uh, that shows the fragility of patriarchy. Like patriarchy is very sensitive to anything that challenges, even if it looks in the way of its power, it, it gets scared. So it's like, okay, if you're so weak, why should you be in power? Right. I don't know. Uh, I'll get off of that. No. Well, like I was gonna say, what? Like, especially <laughs> since ahead, your ahead. power only depends on someone else being lower than you, and you have to put them lower than you in order for you to be above them. So that's not nat- That's not real power, technically, but then in real life, socially, it is. But yeah, um, it's, it's like not- the perception of power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that could easily so- be changed with 
mindset. It's not like it's a, a natural thing to happen. <laughs> right. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, while you were saying that, <laughs> a very unfortunate thought came to mind. There were like... I think there were three women in this episode and one got shot and killed. <laughs> oh my god. Ivanova said like security, right? She no, was she like was a just medical officer or something. Something. She just got blasted. Like those those guys were shooting folks left and right. Mm-hmm. Okay, to get back on track. Uh oh, wait, wait, wait. Let me let me slow down. Nita, do you have any comments about any of that part of the discussion? I know we covered a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. That's I am perfect. very I am very listening. <laughs> no problem. So here's the here's the other part of the episode. So we got Sinclair who has PTSD. He's suffering. He gets abducted and he's he's uh hooked up to this chair, which that chair was the most ridiculous looking chair <laughs> ever. Like when they were putting together, I'm like, what in the world is this? <laughs> But um, I think cyberpunk in the 90s did better with chairs that hooked your mind up to computers like Johnny Mnemonic. Oh, Total Recall was more 80s, wasn't it? It's like online somewhere. I kind of felt like because they are smuggling in the pieces that it could have just been like what we can get together. Like it, it's not gonna be like the actual thing. It's it's like really just some guyvert together, especially since they <laughs> yeah, had to like <laughs> steal an energy pod from the ship, which I thought was kind of interesting. How they put that scene right before them showing him actually being in the uh, the the matrix. the mon- in the matrix, whatever. <laughs> yeah, because I yeah. thought the first time I saw it, well, the first time I remember seeing it this time, uh, I thought that the idiot. Had through stole the um, energy pod that control <laughs> Commander Sinclair's apartment, right, or whatever communications he was trying to get to, until mm-hmm. it was like the old whole ship. I'm like, did you really yeah. steal the one that close to like you couldn't go down to where like people don't have homes and stuff to sneak one because then you would have gotten away with it. But then when it I think it was out, he, they didn't show how they got him there. No, they didn't. They just showed he was just there. And I think it was shot that way on purpose to make you think like, man, these guys are dumb. And then suddenly you realize, oh, they got him. So they they hook him up to this chair and they, uh, they're basically torturing him. But a part of the torture is him reliving the trauma of the Battle of the Line. And later in the episode, the objective is to break his mind and his sense of reality. And I'm like, yep, that's that's a torture chamber. Um, but what really what was really frustrating, well, frustrating. What's um what sucks about it is he he sees Garibaldi die twice. He see his buddy on the on the wing die a bunch of times. He's reliving his suicide run. So I can only imagine that he's also reliving those emotions too. Mm-hmm. And that has to be very deep and dramatic. And they don't say how many times he's done it. Right. You know, we only see the the one or two times, but it seems like they were there for hours. Right. It's, and so he's reliving it over and over and over. You said then I thought about Naruto and um, the, <laughs> the, the jitsu. The jitsu. I'm not saying it right. Sasuke's brother 
has jujitsu mm. where like he tortures uh, Kakashi for like so many days, but it's only been like so many seconds in real life. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's crazy. That that has another like dynamic to it. Like how long does it take for him to relive it? Like mm-hmm. is it seconds, minutes, you know? Cause like your mind like I'm not gonna say that I know too much about this, but in your dreams you don't really have a sense of time. Not really. No. Like everything is so fluid and weird but but that's what's going on there outside of his head well okay the other thing was he's he's a you know he's not only attached to the chair but he's on all kinds of hallucinogens and drugs like he's yeah he's tripping balls the entire time (laughs) yeah and he's scared out of his mind Uh, Mm -hmm. scared depressed all of that so that's a great torture method no, it's not. It's it's terrible. It's, it's there's no such thing as a good torture method. But you know, Laren, what I one of my other notes was like when he's when he's pulled into the like the mind prison or whatever, like the guy who's talking to him is very Shakespearean theatrical, and and uh, it this is like one of those one of those points in Babylon Five that reminds me of Star Trek. Because Star Trek is made up of like all these theater actors, mm-hmm. and of course, you know that that translates throughout all TV. But these guys, man, they when they're like, hey, the spotlight's on you. They're like, I'm gonna take this chance and I'm going to eat every ounce of this scene. And cinematically, it was too, because yeah. when they show, especially when they show the Great Council coming in on them, I I had to think about like Strange New Worlds, where when they meet a mysterious alien force that's not really there it back in the day you saw like that it was dark and then it's just that one little circle or whatever whatever yeah, shape they want to the put little... the, the lights in but where yeah. like in the newer ones it's like this big open space where they could be anywhere and there's patterns and everything they're actually in yeah. a room and not in a void a void, a black void. Our aliens are always in a black void. Hey, that's how you save money on sets. Like, just yeah. put, look, turn every all the lights off. Turn one light on. We're in a spaceship. It was very, it was very theater. Like they were on stage. Yeah. Like we were sitting in the audience. Theater of the mind. It's like a black box theater mm-hmm. where most of the scene you just have to imagine it because the character said so. Oh man. Sinclair did he was told early that he was in a simulation but they you know they explained that the pain was real the sensations were real which is wild mm-hmm. and then of course Sinclair has to figure out like oh there's this feedback like he can feel pain too so he's he's basically causing his captors pain i think that's supposed to show like even under like in a crisis situation Sinclair is always like sharp, he he's always quick to think of an escape, or you know, a way to fight back. Which I mean, again, very nineties. You yeah. don't get many characters who just break down under pressure unless they're like secondary characters. We'll talk about like Mister Garibaldi <laughs> later, like probably season two, end of season two, beginning of season three. <laughs> but um, but yeah, yeah he may um, just be a functional duress type person, like. Instead of functioning, you know, in alcohol, he's functioning in duress. 
Yeah. That's that's most of his life. I mean, especially to compare it to, I know they're trying to portray him as having PTSD, but he's acting more like he has complex PTSD because yeah. he never gets rid of that fear. And he's literally living in the second stage of that fear, whereas the fight was physical. Now the fight is social and uh, emotional and all the things that aren't physical. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he he's often put in a situation where he has to figure out like somehow we got to get all these people to agree and work together or we about to go to war mm-hmm. <laughs> and we remember what happened last time <laughs> we ain't gonna survive basically <laughs> so he's basically in he's at war now it's just not a physical war so him yeah. going into battle physically is kind of an escape and it, it kind of reminds me of uh, I was reading more about uh, um, with autism and overload and some Ooh, adults just okay. live in overload all the time and, and can still like somewhat act mass and mask and function despite their overload. Like you don't want people to know that you're freaked out by certain sounds or textures and stuff and you just live through it and you, you do what you have to do to survive. And he's doing it on a galactic level. Like, seriously. <laughs> Which made me think, like, how cruel is Earth Force by taking, like, the most damaged person from the previous war and putting them in charge of stopping the next one? And that's that's what that's what we do, though. Like, we, we operate <laughs> yeah, yeah. these people and give them positions and status instead of giving them mental health. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're starting to, like, they have mental health available to them, but we're more likely to give them a pat on the back than to, you know, give them help or hugs, you know. Yeah. And it, you know, again, thinking about the economics of uh, of Babylon 5, it makes me wonder, like, can they afford, you know, counselors? I, I mean, they, at the end of the episode, Sinclair does take down, like, a log of his memories from when they were pulled forward. But at the same time, it's like, who does he has the, who does he have the opportunity to talk to? Right. Uh, so Picard had counselor Troy and she worked. I don't know if she ever had a day off because I mean, witnessing temporal anomalies, uh, time paradoxes, the ship blowing up, you know, an infinite amount of times in one point in space uh, people time traveling backwards, forwards, sideways. Um, people being turned from one type of alien to another alien. Like Starfleet having one counselor per ship. Okay, that's cool. Y'all might need a couple more, but at least yeah. you can go. Because there were <laughs> how many people on it? Maybe she was just a counselor for like the the command. It was a no, few hundred. She the- saw. <laughs> yeah, well, what's his name? That was a, that was uh, obsessed with the holodeck. Oh, Barkley. Yeah. yeah. He was in command. Or maybe his his was just serious. I gotta think that there's more counselors on the ship. I mean, like I think about um O'Brien's wife and her being the only teacher on the like is that all the kids right. on here? She cannot teach two well, how many kids are on there? Because I know oh, the no. um I know the staff, like the crew is like 200 people, 200, 300 people, right? Right. Or am I, is that too small? Am I thinking Voyager? I think Voyager was like. No, because. Wait, how many people is on the on, on James's ship? 
Because he used to say it every episode. I have oh, seen so yeah. people on this show. <laughs> <laughs> like, every time somebody threatened to blow up this show, he's like, I gotta protect the 400 people on this show. <laughs> the 400, down to the one Latin, to whatever one digit. He knew exactly how Jeez. many people on that shit. Every time somebody's like, um, your ship's in danger now. But I gotta think that I know that Picard's ship was bigger than James's ship. Yeah. You know what? I'm sitting in front of a computer. Yeah, I'm over here doing a search myself too. Um of course we're like jump okay. Yeah, it's really really, really off. But crew complement of four hundred and thirty people. Oh, okay. And which enterprise is that? So, I know. Okay, so for the Enterprise E, the one after the one after the one that uh, after the D, which blew up and was grounded, the Enterprise E had six hundred fifty to seven hundred people. That's a lot of people floating around in space. Yeah, they they need <clears throat> to have more than one counselor. And then when I think about it, like <laughs> practically, yeah, because she did have work hours. So, um, if I think about like. A, a real therapist like right now even with online calls well it doesn't matter if it's online you only seeing so many people every hour that you're working and then yeah. if you at the most see people once a week you're probably only seeing five clients at a time well no five times five 25 clients a week you can get 25 people. I mean, unless they're going less than once a week or they're only seeing people when they, um, maybe she's the head of the counselor. Maybe like doctor, like the doctor is the head of the, the sick bay. She's the head of the counseling and there's other All right. counselors. <laughs> there's yeah. gotta be. All right. There, there has to be other counselors because I'm looking at this. So the enterprise D from the next generation had a crew complement of 907. Mm-hmm. And it grew to 1,012. So she needed a staff. Yeah. Um, either that or they let the computer do some of the work. Oh, yeah, that's true. <clears throat> they could have, I, they have AI therapy. Yeah. <laughs> Better help uses AI. <laughs> but which it, and I don't that's know how a, I feel about that. That's a huge contrast between Babylon 5 and Star Trek, where um, in Star Trek you have the, the um, empath helping people with their helping people with their mental health and then mm -hmm. and even though that was her choice and it's not like all the counselors are empaths but on babylon 5 the empaths are affecting government and and commerce right. okay it's so that was another point that was another point that i was going to bring up so the 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 ser babylon 5 plays around with the idea of a literal thought police um, in so many different ways. In this episode, you have, of course, the captors. They are searching through the mind of Sinclair. Um, you see the reference to Psychor. Psychor, like the psychics, they really are only used for the interest of capitalists and business owners. They can change people's emotions. They, they can alter uh, memories. They can do a lot of things, which at this point in the series, we're not quite aware of yet. But, you know, we've seen this whole thing. They can do some crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. They are harming people. The psychics are used to cause damage. <laughs> and um, and then the one more aspect of this is the Minbari. The Minbari can alter people's memories. Mm -hmm. They erased Sinclair's memory. And uh, at the end, you saw where, okay, Sinclair recognized Delin. 
And it shows Delenn, she's having a memory of what happened at the Battle of the Line. And they were like, look, he can never remember what happened. He, you know, he can't come to knowledge of what happened. And if he does, you got to kill him. Mm-hmm. Now we know why Delenn is there on the station. Yeah. She's, she's basically a sleeper assassin. Like, she was sent there to watch Sinclair sure to keep Minbari mind. secrets. And that's probably why they had to send someone from the Great Council, because they're the only ones who know what they did to him and why. Right. They can't leave yeah. that to somebody else. And, like, think of the implications. So, Earth Force, if they find out that the Minbari can alter the memories of humans, they can probably... Of course, um, humans would become very, uh, very scared, very uh, xenophobic, and they would probably they would try to start up the war again, and and then if you you know just the way the Earth Force is, they they want to figure out like how can we get that technology? How can we right? How can we use it to change people's minds? Right? Yeah, we've already seen them do that. Right, and and so there's a whole lot like everyone that ha- there's a lot of technology and special abilities dealing with altering the mind altering emotions and memories and is all used to cause harm mm-hmm. you weaponizing everything you know it's wild and it's always right, so, to cause harm ahead. to gain what they think is more power yep their perspective of power i'm gonna put it that way because i don't <clears> think that's real power but yeah i mean they these different factions are trying to figure out how to control people the Minbari, of course, you know, they surrendered and, you know, it's really not even surrendered. They forfeited the war. The humans were losing. The Minbari, the, the Minbari forfeited because they were running the score up 21 and nothing. I'm sorry. Humans couldn't do nothing. Couldn't do nothing. But they are, but they are, they have a very particular perspective on what it means to protect themselves. They, they're, 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 they have a very well-crafted reputation in the galaxy mm-hmm. and that that comes up a lot more later in the series too um i'll i'll drop this there's a point where a character reveals like membari don't lie and so the whole galaxy is like the membari don't lie so to wrap up this episode um there is a great shootout another shootout with sinclair but remember, he's hopped up on all kinds of drugs, so he's blasting everybody. This dude is letting rounds go in the uh, in a common area in the Zocalo. Mm-hmm. And uh, who was it? Was it was it Doctor Franklin that was saying like he's under he's under influence of all these drugs, so he doesn't uh-huh. know what he's doing? <laughs> yeah, after examining yeah. the the <clears throat> chair. Yeah, which um, Doctor Franklin quite possibly one of the best doctors in sci-fi. This dude knows. A lot. He 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 gets the answers when when everything calms down. You know they they uh, oh hey they you know when everything calms down. Sinclair you know he's back at his uh, quarters and he's like I remember everything. Uh, what he remembers like while he was still on hallucinogens, he remembered seeing the the uh, He remembered seeing Delin in the chambers of the Great Council. He did say, like, while he was still on drugs, he was like, hey, I remember you. I remember you. Uh, and then, you know, later on, he kind of downplayed it. But he's like, yeah, she was there. It was her face that I saw. I need to figure out what it is they don't want me to remember. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy. Like, 
You're looking in the eye of the person that erased your memories, and you got to be like, yeah, I don't know this stuff, but they somehow had power to remove the memories, and you got to remember, you got to try to figure out, okay, what is it that I know that they're keeping from me? That, yeah, that whole thing has to also be pretty traumatic. Yeah, um, and that's an existential crisis. Because yeah. it changes everything he knows. Like he thought he just blacked out, but now he knows that something that that, that whole time I was up doing stuff, and it affected like <clears throat> a part of the galaxy. <laughs> and think of Dillon's character up until now, except for like so. Let's let's ignore all of the secrets, the little the little hints that she has secrets. She's like one of the most empathetic and like caring characters. Mm-hmm. She she goes to bat for everybody that needs help, and yeah. come to find out, she's she's basically responsible for torturing Sinclair, like she's a war criminal. Right. So I, I ran into a spoiler while doing research for my Galactic Tea that, that it it uh, contrasts that, but it also kind of goes with it. It's like I don't want to say what it is, but in contrast, she's supposed to murder. She's there to murder him if he yes. finds out. Right. Yeah, exactly. She's the fail safe. Right. <laughs> so so we now you see remember that when we get to the future yeah. I find out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I do remember earlier episodes like Delenn is up to something, Delenn is up to something. She's all she be popping up in weird places. Mm-hmm. And you have to remember in those past episodes she always shows up where Sinclair is. Always. Mm-hmm. So now she we know why. Fear somehow. It's yes. like, you're a diplomat. Why don't you just go back to your quarters and be safe until it's time for another meeting? But she's got to like stick her Not nose in and put information in and change the narrative with what she said. Yep. Even with yep. the questions that she was, the conversation that she had with the doctor. Like, why did you have that conversation? Because you left us off. <laughs> yeah. So we're here at the end of the episode and. Remember this, like I said, this episode didn't have a whole whole lot going on, but it was it was character development and some lore building, like some breadcrumbs, all of that. Um, now we understand more about like what's wild. We understand more about Delin than almost any other character because of this episode. She was in two scenes. Yeah, it was it was very deep, but very like it's like a puddle that's like really deep. Yeah. So uh, any. Any last thoughts or impressions on this episode before we get out of here? No, I think that was my impression, my last impression, that it was a, it's very small, but very deep, enormously deep. Yeah. How about you, Nita? I know you didn't get to see all of it, but from what we shared, are there any thoughts, any questions? What is your impression? Yeah, I um, am wondering if it was probably a good idea. I missed it because I... I have PTSD and then just hearing how uh, the 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 cap was affected I was feeling very uncomfortable and having a hard time staying in the moment uh, mm, but yeah perhaps like maybe earlier in the day I can um watch it and pay attention to it but, but probably for the best not for bed right yeah yeah I understand well, these shows, like I said, they are very melodramatic. It's the '90s style. I had, all right, I gotta, I'm gonna share this story with y'all because it's funny to me. Um, 
I was watching, this was during my last um, watch through of the whole series. This was like earlier this year and I had fallen asleep and it was on one episode where Delenn was just screaming her head off and I'm dreaming. But for some reason, the voice that I heard screaming was Sunday's voice. And I just shoot out of bed. I'm looking around for her. She is nowhere to be found. I'm like, what happened? What happened? What happened? What happened? I don't see the dogs. I'm like, what happened? And then I'm like, what was that noise? I go back to my computer. There's Babylon 5 in credits. I was like, oh, that's what I heard. I mean, I was outside searching around the house. I was looking. In, I was I was really like messed up. So mm-hmm. like even... The, the way that they portray a lot of things, of course, they're trying to get away. They're, they're trying to get across some intense emotion. These actors are, you know, they're decent at their jobs. But, yeah, don't let that slide into your subconscious. It might give you nightmares. You know, with that. <laughs> hey, I learned to just not fall asleep with the TV on because that mm-hmm. active subconscious there. With the TV on is very important. I thought it was just I just learned not to fall asleep. <laughs> I learned to embrace insomnia. I've been doing this thing where if I watch something like pretty serious, especially if they start like, this is going to be disturbing, blah, blah, blah. Or if I do just feel disturbed from it, I have to like find something else lighthearted, like some comedy or something to yeah. uh, to watch before I go to bed so that... It's like a palate cleanser. Not, yeah, a palate cleanser, most definitely. Yeah. Alright, so... Watch it try not or, to laugh. Yeah, no, I understand. So, uh, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, so... This wasn't a very eventful episode, but it it very it centered some uh, important characters and revealed some secrets. And now we're gonna now we have the rest of the season to kind of see how it plays out. The Lynn's secrets they're not completely revealed, but Sinclair is aware. But the Lynn is like, does he know? Because if he knows, you know what I gotta do. So. As we end, we're going to end with the question, is Delenn going to pop Sinclair? <laughs> is Sinclair going to rat out Delenn? Tune in next time. <laughs> All right, we got to get out of here. This was, uh, oh, I don't even know what episode we are. But uh, in the sky full of stars uh, for this week of Voices in Hyperspace, I'm Damian, a.k.a. Legendary Black Lion. You can find me at Legendary Black Lion on all social media platforms. I'm Mel Asylum. You can find me at Mel's Rebellion on all the social medias that I'm on. I'm Nita. I go by Nita Painter. I'm the black one. Oh my goodness. Yes. Um, we also have a TikTok for Voices in Hyperspace. So go ahead and find at Voices in Hyperspace on TikTok and enjoy. We have officially launched. We have our YouTube. You can find our podcast there. Um, I am in the process of making sure that we can get on some of the bigger podcast platforms. So be looking out for that. By the time you, this, you get to this episode, we should be done. We should be there, so. um, make sure you like, subscribe, leave comments, leave ratings. I don't care if you leave us one star. You know, leave us that one star. Talk bad about us. It's great. Great engagement. All right. Well, thank you all. And we'll catch up with y'all next week. Bye.